Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. We discuss current issues in our Christian faith, chat about our lives, do a devotional, offer prayers and praise that you share with us. Never be alone. Join us. You can reach us at our website, which is branchliving.com, through Facebook at Branch Living, and there we have an international community, and it would be a privilege to have you join us. There you can comment, post photos, prayer requests, praise reports. So join us at Facebook on Facebook at Branch Living. You can also email your prayer requests and praise reports to me at lisa at branchliving.com. We podcast generally two times each week, and we share a prayer to open our time together. So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for this beautiful day. Every day that we wake up is a beautiful day and a gift from you. As we gather today, let us set the worries of the world aside. Let us focus on your word and your message for us today and help us grow in our Christian faith. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today we are focusing on relationships and um, we are going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness is a subject that is um, relevant to absolutely all of us, but it is also a subject that is difficult. Um, And what brought this to mind is that January 27th was the International Holocaust Day. And it's an event in world history that obviously we just should never forget. It teaches us, at least it teaches me, that there is a level of depravity that men can sink to that is beyond comprehension, beyond imagination. But you know, that's not the only, the Holocaust is not our only uh, record of man's depravity. There has, historically, there have been slave trades, mass genocide, infant sacrifice, and we just see these atrocities repeated throughout history. So when we look at this then, uh, a question that comes to mind is, what does the Bible say about man's wicked heart? And I have a couple of verses I'd like to share with you. First from Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then from the New Testament, Mark 7, 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and adultery. And then from Romans 1, 21 through 23, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So we see in the Bible that an unredeemed heart is a very dangerous thing indeed. It is only through our new life in Christ through our bonding with God, that we can hope to have a heart that is not hard, but soft, not dark, but open, and not self-focused, but God-centered. So there are three lessons I've learned concerning forgiveness um, that have radically changed my life toward it and toward sin. And the first thing that I learned is, and I really learned this through my healthcare profession, is that hurt people hurt people. And this was a hard lesson for me to learn because it seems so counterintuitive. One would think that someone who had been abused as a child 
would be the very last person to abuse somebody or to accept abuse as an adult. But so many times, if people are not healed of their own pain, they lash out at others. And it is as though at a deep level, their spirit believes that if they share this stain with others, their own stain will go away. But sadly, and often after creating much damage to others, they see that this does not work and it only spreads the pain. The second lesson, there's an old saying that says, uh, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Forgiveness truly is a gift through the power of God that you give yourself. You release the person who has hurt you and your life is no longer tied to theirs. The late Old English form of the word forgive means, and I quote, to give up the power or the desire to punish. And we give that up because it is too heavy a weight. Only God can judge because only God can read the heart. And so we place judgment in the right hands. We place judgment in God's hands. So what does the Bible say then about who should judge? Well, in James 4, 4, James 4, 12, and I, I take all of this from the ESV Bible, it says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So judging is in God's realm. And so we forgive and we turn that person's acts over to God to judge. And then the third lesson is only God can give us the power to forgive. And we need to pray for that power. We need to pray for the person who has hurt us. And this is how we are free to have soft and open hearts. And it is truly the only way. I thought of all of this on the Holocaust Remembrance Day. I was thinking to myself when I heard that it was that day, um, how I had nothing in my life, praise God, to compare to the Holocaust. And I wondered how someone who could forgive such atrocities who went through that. And then I remembered someone who did. So Corey Ten Boom um, was a woman in her, in her family, her sister, her father, and, and she herself hid Jews in their home in the Netherlands during World War II. From Corey Ten's, Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, Corey tells us a story of her struggle and her victory to forgive. So what I am going to uh, give you now is just a direct, um, kind of a, a written speech, a writing of the speech that she gave, which is a summary of that book. But if you haven't read The Hiding Place, I would really urge you to do so um, because it is an amazing book. And so what I'm again reading is just her synopsis of what happened in her life. World War II broke out in Europe when Germany invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939. And although the Netherlands was officially neutral, the German army invaded in 1940. German bombing runs devastated Dutch cities. And within five days, the government and the royal family had fled to England and Canada and the Dutch army laid down their arms. All Nazi occupations were evil through and through, and they were particularly successful in the Netherlands. The Nazis began an efficient program of rounding up Dutch Jews for death camps, achieving an unholy 70% 
fatality rate. However, some Dutch citizens did something about it. The Dutch resistance began almost as soon as the Nazis settled into their headquarters. And throughout the country, brave Gentiles risked their own lives to hide Jewish neighbors. The extended Ten Boom family were among them. Their Christian faith would not allow them to deny the help the desperate Ten Booms and father Ten Boom and his two unmarried daughters, Corey and Betsy, and led to this dangerous work. As it turns out, their work was too successful to stay secret. They were known to the Dutch resistance, who even sent an architect to their home to build a secret room. In 1944, a Dutch informant named Jan Vogel told the Nazis about the Ten, fam the Ten Boom family's work, and the Gestapo arrested the entire family, but they never found the Jews hidden in the house. Other resistant workers spirited them to safety. The father, Casper, died 10 days later. Most of the families were released for lack of evidence, but Corey and her sister, Betsy, were formally arrested and eventually sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany. But the women never stopped trusting God. They managed to sneak a Bible and held worship services at night. Betsy's health continued to deteriorate and she died on the 16th of December, 1944, at the young age of 59. 25 days later, all of the women in her age group were sent to the gas chambers. Corey had been released five days earlier thanks to a clerical error, and she returned safely home, and on May 6, 1945, the Germans officially surrendered. So I just want to say that the clerical error is in quotes, because as we all know, that probably was not a clerical error alone. Corey Ten Boom believed that the Christian's highest calling is to forgive, to love and forgive as God has loved and forgiven us. In 1947, just two years after liberation, she traveled to war-torn Germany to preach the message of forgiveness at a church in Munich. In 1972, she shared what happened there. So this is a, a prelogue to the speech that she gave, um, but is actually the prelogue is contained within the speech. So now I'm going to go to Corey's direct words. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat and a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947 and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed to hear most in that bitter, bombed out land and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where the forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them in the deepest ocean and they are gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their wraps, and in silence, they left the room. And that is when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, 
and the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic piles of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of, Hi of Holland. And this man had been a guard at the Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were set. Now he was in front of me, hand thrusted out. A fine message, Frauklein, how good it is to know that you, that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me. Of course, how could he remember one prisoner from amongst those thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. And again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins every day had to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he ease her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. And if you do not forgive the men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and horrible as that. As still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion, and I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, and it raced down my arm, and it sprang into our joined hands. And then, this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. 
I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands and the former guard and the former prisoner held hands. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. So that's the end of that story. And just to conclude, when we forgive someone, when, so when I struggle to forgive someone, I remember this story, this example of this Christian woman. I have never in my life had to forgive a pain so deep. And so I tell myself, if Corey can forgive this, I can forgive too. So my friends, don't drink the poison. Don't play the judge. In all of your relationships, forgive. Pray for the person who hurt you and let God work his miracle. Amen. And you know, that's why I love going back into history and looking at stories because those stories are so important to our Christian walk. The stories of the Bible are very important. They're God-breathed. But we can look at Christians who walked ahead of us and we can see the example that they set for us and we can at least strive, strive to have the heart that they had because we know it's humanly possible. We know it's humanly possible to forgive to that level, to forgive all of those atrocities. So we praise God for Corey Ten Boom. We praise her for the work that she did. We praise her for the example that she set. We praise her for caring for those who had been victims after the war. And we praise her for her soft heart and her willingness to share this and her willingness to do the hard work. So thank you, God, for that example. Um, I'm going to move now just to a brief, instead of uh, our devotion today, I'm going to uh, read a very brief writing. It's uh, by Hannah Flockovitz, and it's called Who Can Forgive? Eva Moses Kor and her twin sister, born to a Jewish family, were used for medical experiments on humans by the SS doctors. Half a century later, she met another SS doctor, Hans Munich, who asked for her forgiveness. It was then that she recognized in his appeal a way to leave behind harm that inflicted her. The helpless little guinea pig, in her words, possessed something she had not been aware of. She possessed the power to forgive. And by means of this power, which she did not previously suspect and which now overwhelmed her, she freed herself from the shadow of a lifelong status as victim. And she adds that forgiveness was the way that she found to save herself and to honor the dead. So another good example of somebody who took the hard road for us and uh, forgived even having been the victim of being a medical experiment in that horrible Holocaust, she chose to forgive. And um, two examples of two strong women for us today as we go about our lives, searching our hearts for what needs to be forgiven. And another time, um, I do have a reading I was going to do, but we're getting a little bit long today. It is a booklet that we give out to uh, patients and to loved ones in the hospital because oftentimes 
in those last days, uh, we find that forgiveness is just key to being able to have a good ending of life and the beginning of our new life. And so um, I have a little booklet called Finding a Way to Forgiveness, and it actually gives some concrete steps for that. But we will hold that for perhaps the next time we're talking about relationships and just extend this subject a bit more because forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness is how we um, get rid of revenge. It's how we free ourselves and it's how God heals. And it's how we end the cycle of abuse and we end the cycle of hurt. Um, so I'm going to move now to our prayers and the prayers that I've received to, to date, I received um, two that came from individuals whose loved ones have, quote, left the faith. And um, they would like us to pray that uh, they will find their way back to uh, loving Jesus and to seeing him as their savior. And so we lift up those two prayer requests today. And then just prayers for everybody as we see the vaccine coming out that we can somehow get ahead of this virus, that all of these variants won't cause us to stay in this mode and that we can start to resume a life that we once knew. So would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the example of these two women in terms of forgiveness. And we ask you, Father, to give us the strength to examine our hearts, to think of those that we need to forgive, and to offer that forgiveness through you so that we can be freed of past hurts, past mistakes, and so that we can live a life where we don't feel the need then to hurt others. Father, we ask for these two families who brought loved ones before us who have um, turned their back on their faith, that they will hear your voice again and that they will return to their faith and in one case, return to their family. One has actually left the family entirely. We ask for you to uh, bless this world with healing from this pandemic. And especially, Father, we ask for revival, which we so badly need. We know there's revival going on in pockets all over the world, but there, is, there are areas where revival is not evident, and we ask you to bring revival to those areas as well. Uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of this day, and we thank you for the gift of another day. We pray this in your name. Amen. So just concluding today um, by reminding you of the Bible study that we have every Tuesday night at 7 Central. And all you have to do is email me at lisa at branchliving.com and I can send you the link. You can drop in and try it or you can um, come and stay. But we have a nice conversation. Again, we don't have a time limit in terms of, or a set schedule. We do just meet for an hour, but we don't have a set schedule. We Describe, we discuss the scripture passage and where that discussion leads is where we go and we pick up again next time. And again, right now we are in John. So um, it's been a joy to share this with you. It's been a joy to talk about forgiveness. You can send me your thoughts and comments at lisaatbranchliving.com or go to Facebook. As I said, most of the way I get messages is through Facebook Messenger and that's fine too. So until we gather again, stay close to God, stay in touch, and I will chat with you again soon.